are you a woman of colour? And are you thinking of a career in digital health? Welcome to the inspirational Shuri Network podcast series. Our amazing lineup of digital health and technology leaders will be sharing invaluable insights on their digital health journeys, the challenges, the successes, but also the hopes for the future. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to be excited and get ready to take that next step into the diverse world of careers in digital health. and welcome to today's episode of the Shuri Network podcast. I'm Aisha Rahim and I'm a psychiatrist in the NHS as well as the clinical lead for digital transformation in my organisation, otherwise known as a CCIO. I'm Ronki Adijunu. I'm a national digital leader and nurse with a background in health services management and currently an associate chief nurse and information officer at NHSX. Today, we're going to be talking about the role of the CCIO, the Chief Clinical Information Officer, and what that means. So, Ronki, we both come across CCIOs. I am a CCIO. You work with CCIOs. What's your take on the role? So, I, I you know, I, I'm actually going into um, this podcast today with no preconceptions or ideas of of, of it. So, I, I you know, I, I work with, a, you know, the national CNIO, but also I, 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 I'm privileged to work with, the, the, you know, the likes of Garrett Thomas, who's a deputy CCIO, but also Simon Eccle, Eccles in um, NHSX. However, um, I don't think I've actually, I, I don't think, I wouldn't say that I know everything about what a CCIO does. Do you know what, Ronkit? I think I'm not too dissimilar to you because in my experience, I know a lot of CCIOs. I think every CCIO that you speak to has a slightly different definition and idea of what they do because ultimately these are fairly new roles. So I'm equally really looking forward to hearing Tom's interpretation of this. So, as I've mentioned, the guest that we have speaking to us today is Dr. Torrell Thomas, who is a psychiatrist by background and is also the Chief Clinical Information Officer of Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. So what we're going to hear today in the episode is a little bit about how he interprets a role, a bit about his vision for the future and how equality and diversity play out in the experiences that he's had as a man of colour working in this space. So, Torrell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here, Aisha and Ronka. Lovely to see you both. So, Torrell, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So, my name is Torrell Thomas, and I'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist at the amazing Norfolk and Suffolk Mental Health Foundation Trust. We have an amazing exec team who are incredibly supportive of its consultant body. And as part of that, what I do is I'm something called a chief clinical information officer. And this is a fancy way of saying that every clinician is a digital clinician. From when you start work in the morning and you turn on your computer to check your work emails, to whether you're prescribing electronically, to whether you're looking up a research paper on your smartphone, every clinician is a digital clinician. But a chief clinical information officer is a clinician of any discipline, whether you're a doctor or a nurse or a psychologist or an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist or a surgeon, whatever you are, It's a clinician who gives some strategic direction to the organization. So someone who helps the board and the people working on the ward 
and everyone in the community and the service users and the carers get behind a vision that digital can help transform your organization if you understand that it underpins everything you do. So it's not an add-on. It's something that we all do all the time with service users and carers. And it's also something that can transform how well you deliver your service if you allow it to transform what you do. So instead of taking paper and making it digital, you have to reimagine this in some way. And it's that creativity, that that beautiful positivity. That's what makes chief clinical information officers. What a, what a great answer, Toral. And I guess that's really interesting. You hear that being described from a, a you know a healthcare perspective. And I think for me, the acid test for these um, roles is how how would you explain what you do to your parents? Say because I know that I've tried numerous <laughs> occasions. Oh, no, that's brilliant. So I actually well, I have an amazing example of that for you guys. So one of the things that I tried recently is um I have a, a an app on my phone. Uh, the music program that will curate a playlist for you. And I was hanging out with some of my um, uh, family and I realized that they, they were all going on YouTube to look at different songs. And Aisha, I know you're a big music enthusiast, Ronke, I hope you are too. But when it comes to music, there's so much stuff out there. I had no idea what I was doing. So I asked my phone to curate a playlist for me because that's what it can do based on music I've never heard before. So it curated a playlist of 60 songs for me, Aisha. Of those 60 songs, I would say 41 were absolute bangers. And the other 19, I wasn't really sure about because I didn't have time to listen to them all. But the fact that my phone could work out from the millions of songs out there, and these are bands I've never heard of before in my life, from the millions of songs out there, what is the signal that I would be interested in as opposed to the noise? Shows me how integral digital is. There is a fantastic cardiologist in America called Eric Topol. And Eric says there are two kinds of clinicians of the present, not just the future. There are those that use the power of digital to give good outcomes for service users and carers. And there are those whose service users and carers are going to suffer because they're not using digital to its full effect. This system was able to look through a billion songs and pick 61 songs that I would love based on my choices, something that would take me years to do. It did in exactly 10 seconds to compile the playlist. And when I explain to people what I do for a living, I say, that's what I do. So we can't look at all the millions of songs in the world, but we can get a computer program to do it as long as it is safe and good and doesn't add extra burden. So for me, all it took was me pressing one button and it did it itself. If it required me going in and entering tons of data like we often get asked to do day in, day out, only for it to then chug out 10 songs, three of which I like, seven of which I can't stand, the value proposition would be horrible. Instead, with a single click in less than a second, it provided me 60 new bands that I've never heard of before and it made my life better. And that's what digital should do with everything. It should improve and make life better. And if it doesn't reduce time, it should improve safety and quality. I, d I don't think I've ever heard um, the role of a CCIO being explained in, in, in that way. And I'm sure our audience would be delighted to, to, to hear the, the example, of the, the music example that you stated. Um, I was just sort of wondering, um, you, know, you know, people hear about the acronym, the CCIO, what what is it that you you know what what does a typical day look like for you as a CCIO? One of the amazing things about having the word C in there is that you are a clinician 
first and foremost. Most of us do other things. I mean, you can't be a clinician in the National Health Service and only really do a nine to five. So we might do some teaching or we might do some research or we might do some quality improvement. The C part is the important part. I do a, so I'm a medium secure consultant in the best medium secure unit in the country. We were inadequate a few years ago, but we all got together and we decided that actually what matters most to us is recovery. And we need to do things that will help with recovery. So I'm really lucky that I work in an organization in which our board is so accessible and which everyone really wants to work together as a team. One of the nice things about working in a in a semi-rural organization is that I see my board on an almost daily basis, even if I wasn't the CCIO. And I, I get to hang out with so many different people from across my organization, and we share the same values, which are working positively, respectfully, and together. And that really underpins for me what the digital agenda is from my perspective, because my day-to-day -day is I, I work with 17 amazing medium-secure men in my unit, along with a fabulous colleague, Trevor, and our other colleagues, our nurses, our psychologists, our OTs, and more. But amongst amongst all of this clinical work that I do that I really enjoy, I also, in between the work, and Aisha will tell you that sometimes I do it while simultaneously. Sometimes you have to do two or three things at once. Sometimes you have to just, um, just to make sure that everything gets the attention it requires. I also do... Um, uh, everything from something as minute as looking at a form that's going to be put into our electronic patient record to make sure it's not adding extra burden to staff or service users or that it's providing some value through quality and safety. Or I'll be in a board meeting where I'll be discussing the digital um, uh, framework that we want to use. We're currently working on our, our clinical framework and every year we're going to do a clinical refresh and digital underpins all of that so it's important that i'm there when they start doing these clinical discussions because digital is never the fifth stream it's never the subgroup digital is everything so whatever it is you want to do so we we have five groups for example of in terms of um, pathways of work that we're looking at for improvement. And there's not a single pathway. So this is just our digital framework in my organization. There's not a single one of these pathways that isn't completely underpinned by human beings and by digital. So a normal day for me will be I come into work. Uh, before I go into work, I check my emails. There's usually at least 100. So after I deal with my emails, I do my clinical work first. My organization is so amazing that when I went for my job interview, I explained that my clinical work has to take priority over everything else. And they are incredibly supportive. Norfolk and Suffolk are fantastic about this. So my clinical work takes priority. So I start doing my clinical work. I do the thing I love the most, which is I go onto the ward and I see my guys. And we hang out together and um, I check how the treatments are going. And we do um, feedback scores together. We do um, all kinds of recovery-based things. And then once my clinical work is complete, I go and do either meetings, um, I chair different groups, um, I do stuff with the integrated care systems um, board, I do stuff with the clinical safety officers, we have a WhatsApp group, it's very informal. Um, so we have lots of different pieces of work that 
have multiple stakeholders. When I go and see my male service users on the ward, I can potentially transform a few hundred people's lives over the course of my career as a psychiatrist. But as a chief clinical information officer, when we put in our electronic patient record, when we put in our electronic prescribing, as a group, we are transforming care for potentially thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. And it's an amazing responsibility and a true joy, a true joy, Ronka. I, I know you work across, you know, a spectrum of, of clinical professionals. Um, do you ever get feedback from, you know, from the staff on the front line or how well things are going or, or, or things are not going so well? And, and how do you engage with um, clinicians on the front line? Oh, well, we actually have a very practical, if slightly um, uh, downbeat story about this that I think is echoed in trusts across the country. One of the difficulties with um, the way uh, things can sometimes happen with clinicians is we forget that there are people behind every story. So sometimes, for example, when you look at your electronic patient record or you look at your electronic prescribing, you forget that there's a human being keeping the system up and running. But something that I I find is a big part of my role is helping maintain positivity. So because I'm a clinician, I hear from clinicians all the time and I go and meet with them. And we have some of the programs of work that I'm doing is involving something that the whole world is struggling with, which is clinical engagement. So unsurprisingly, if someone wants to do a presentation, they will normally put it on during Monday to Friday, nine to five. They might do it as a webinar. They might do it as a podcast. They might do whatever. But no clinician is going to come to that because they're at work. They, uh, a band five nurse is not going to be going, well, I better just stop doing what I'm doing with my service user, turn on my laptop and join a thing. So part of what I do is I try and engage people in different ways. It's really hard though, Ronka, because we all have email fatigue uh, with the pandemic. It's so hard to do what we love doing, which is sitting down with someone over cake and coffee and saying, what's going on? But we get feedback in multiple ways. So we get feedback electronically. I get feedback by meeting people. People now know me so well that they just send me an email. And uh, we, that usually sparks a discussion. And actually, I had an email this morning that reminded me how far things have come now that we have a CCIO in post. Five years ago when I started, I would get really unusual emails saying things like, I really think we should do X. And X would be some futuristic thing that comes out of Minority Report with Tom Cruise. And I thought, hmm, that's amazing, but I don't think we can make that happen in the next five years. Now people get hold of me and they say, I noticed that this thing is going on. And actually, if we do something this way, it might make things more efficient. What do you think? And I go, well, actually, it turns out there's a product that can do just that for you. We were looking to roll it out. How would you guys feel about being our test ward or our test group? And one of the biggest things I've learned, Ronka, is that if you go to other positive people and you say, do you want to try something new that's going to improve things for service users or yourself? They always give you a resounding yes, as long as you're open and transparent with them about the limitations of it. That's really important. So a big part of being a clinical information officer or a chief clinical information officer is being realistic. And when people say, I would like to spend 20 million pounds on this thing because I saw it on the internet and it looks cool. Sometimes part of your job is to say that's nice and shiny, but it's really expensive and it's not going to improve quality or safety. So why don't we try doing something else instead? And the biggest piece of advice I can give to someone 
if you want to improve digital in your area, which is something we should all be doing anyway, is go to your ICT team or your IT team with an open mind and an open heart. Know that these are human beings who have the same goal you have, which is to improve things for service users and carers. And if you treat each other with compassion and respect, and you don't go there with the solutions, you don't turn up saying, I would like this product, please. So you go there saying, this is a difficulty people have brought up. What kinds of ideas can we work on to come come to something that will that will improve things for everyone? You will be amazed how good it is. I'm going to change tack just slightly, and I was going to ask you about technical skills because you know we're all working in the digital health space, and some of us we come from a clinical background. How technical do you think you need to be in order to do a CCIO job effectively? So listeners, here's the amazing news about this topic. You need no technical ability whatsoever. You, if you're able to wake up in the morning and use a smartphone, that is the entire level of ability that you require. Now, Aisha and Ronka will know that there are CCIOs we run into who could probably program and hack their way into NASA if they wanted to. This is not the majority. So the short, sweet answer to your question, Aisha, is you need zero technical ability whatsoever. It helps if you know how to use email. It helps if you can use your smartphone. But if you don't, come find me. I'll show you how to do both. Or I'll show you what YouTube is. You don't need any skills in that area. All you need is to be a clinician. That is the only important thing, to be a clinical information officer. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, a lot of what you say resonates with me as, as an equally non-technical CCIO. <laughs> but I, I think we also recognise, of course, that that technical expertise is necessary within that department, clearly. So how do you mm. interact and how do you relate to your technical colleagues, your, your CIO colleagues, for example, your chief in, uh, information officer colleagues? So we have um, an amazing CIO. His name is Dave Huggins, and he and his whole team. In fact, it's a wonderful team. Um, Sheila Haydock heading up uh, business and change, and so many amazing people. The way that we all interact together is uh, there are some of us who are who were clinicians in the past. Some people like me who are current clinicians, and then some people who are completely non-clinicians. And what I think people forget is that even CIOs and people in these departments won't necessarily have particular technical skills. Because sometimes, like if you work in an acute trust, you could be dealing with 200 different systems. There's no way one person would have the technical expertise for all of it. So what do we do? We consult in, we get an experts, but mainly we just give a strategic framework for what we would like to see. Often I find that what I'm doing with the more technical people in our team is they are reluctant to do something because they think it'll lead to patient harm. And some of the most sensible things I can do is say, actually, this will not lead to any harm whatsoever because this is how a clinician does it. And this is the workaround that we use. And then they can see how they can modify that to make it better. So no technical expertise is needed. You just need an open mind. I now know not to go to my teams and say, I would like you to do X, please. And instead, I meet them and I say, I would like to achieve X for service users. How can we work together to make that magic happen? And you know what, Aisha and Ronka? They always make magic happen. That's what's so amazing about ICT. <laughs> they always make magic happen. They're some of the loveliest people I know. That's awesome. And I, th I really like what you're saying about starting with the problem rather than imposing a predetermined solution to try and get to where you want to go. Because I guess that opens your mind, doesn't it, to the possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and there was something that I, I, I picked up on, on what you said. And I think I always, um, you know, I'm, I'm always involved in discussions around digital because I, I think, Personally, that sometimes I think the word digital 
is overused. Um, and when I talk to people and I, I say to them that I think it's about being innovative and being creative and, and, and looking at a problem and, and trying to find a solution. Where do you think um, are the biggest opportunities for transforming health um, healthcare right now? And also how and where um, do you think our healthcare professionals, where do you think the biggest opportunities are for them right now? There is no barrier whatsoever to what you would like to do, mostly because you don't. there's no specific thing you need to do or no specific course you need to go on in order to do this. All you need is a willingness to do things better. That's it. So all you need to all you need to have is just a willingness to make life better for people. That's it. And I would I would strongly say that every single person who signs up to be a clinician has already signed. So it's a battle you've already won because you already all of you listening already want to make life better for people. That's why you're listening to this podcast, because you want to know how you can make things better. So you don't have to be a chief clinical information officer. If you can, if you can get yourself some kind of digital fellowship, like I'm not sure if the Topol fellowship is still running, but there's, there's if you Google digital fellowships, there's often programs that are running. If you find the chief clinical information officer in your organization, they will often A, be super desperate to talk to you, and really glad that you made contact. But B, they will also know about local things. So I know all the stuff that's going on in my ICS that's available to anyone. So anyone who's listening who wants to come work in Norfolk and Suffolk, come find me. I'll tell you all the cool things you can do. The ICS being? The integrated care system. The An integrated care system is a very fancy way of saying all of the different people who are in your local patch get together and agree that you want to make life easier for patients service users, carers, make them make them the sole focus of what you guys all do. And if there's a way that you can get information, health information into people's hands, preferably into their smartphones, then why wouldn't you want to do something like that? So if you can do this in a way that, if you are interested, that is the first thing. There's lots of online stuff. There are some amazing people to follow on Twitter. Um, if you, in fact, if you follow Aisha Rahim as a start, she actually, if you take a look at her followers, you will see, Ronka, I bet you you're on Twitter too. You will immediately see all the people she follows. Follow them. They're amazing. Um, NHSX is a great, great um, uh, Twitter follower to have. If you go onto Twitter, you will find a ton of resource, but they're also trying to put something that Aisha and I have both been on. Um, Ronka, I'm not sure if you went on this, the NHS Digital Academy. Uh, no, I'm I'm on the top of fellow, digital fellowship. Um, oh, you'd be fantastic! To know. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, so top the top of fellowship is that guy that I was telling you guys about, Eric Topol, the cardiologist in America. Uh, Aisha and uh, Ronke are understandably nodding along, but for you listeners, Eric Topol is cool. Follow him on Twitter; he's amazing. Really great stuff about COVID. But in terms of what you need to do, you don't need to do anything. But if you go online and just type NHS Digital Academy. The the amazing so basically Aisha and I were given a one year crash course that transformed our lives and hooked us up with a bunch of friends that have changed our whole worlds, and um, they're actually doing a fourth and a fifth cohort. And I hope you guys who listen will consider applying. But even if you don't get in, these resources are going to be available for free online, so you can check them out. But if you go and meet your CCIO, and there should be one in every organization, they will actually. I know Aisha's got her special set of stuff. She sends people. I have a special set of stuff. I send people when they're interested. We will show you the stuff you want to do. But just the fact that you're interested already fills our heart with joy and love. And we can't wait to meet you and show show you how you can transform care. It's going to be amazing. 
(laughs) (laughs) As the years go on, there are more and more resources out there. But you've been doing this for five years, Tom. So I was really interested in how you even came to be appointed. What route did you take up to to be where you are now? There are two big things. If you guys who are listening want to go to two things in the year, go to a thing called Rewired, which is where all the CCIOs hang out. And it's an amazing place to see new health technology and go to the Health Expo, HET. Because again, you will see amazing people like Ronka and Aisha doing roundtables, telling you what's hot, what's cutting edge. Every year, there are more resources. So if you guys just go and find the chief clinical information officer in your organization, they will have some cool things to read. But if there's one thing, dear listeners, I recommend you read. Just Google Atul Gawande, New York, uh, actually just Atul Gawande, Why Doctors Hate Their Computers. The best, funniest, most uplifting piece you will ever read in your life. Oh, this is such an exhilarating um, conversation, Toril. Thank you so much. But I do have um, one question. Uh, what, in your view, um, are the biggest barriers for women of colour looking to either move into a digital health role or move up the ladder or indeed become a CCIO? I would answer this question in two parts. So the first part is um, uh, they both relate to culture, but the first part is about being a person of colour and putting yourself forward. And so I'm not going to presume to speak to each person's individual experience, but there's lots of research around this. There's lots of um, great uh, uh, initiatives to try and improve helping people of color progress in the NHS. And um, although, Ronke, you and I have just met tonight, I've known Aisha for a little while, and I think our personalities are such that we would always push ourselves forward because that's just who we are as people. But I think part of that, comes with uh, a responsibility of allyship that we should then, because of the positions that we occupy, be mentors for people who wish to do the same. And one of the things I know Aisha and I are trying very hard to do is to open up these avenues to other people, people who didn't traditionally see this as something they could do. Because when you start your training, you're told you can be an academic, a researcher, a teacher. You're not told that you can do digital and you can do it as, as something that can give transformational care something that builds on quality improvement. So I think part of it is the education aspect. So helping people of color understand that this role is there. It might not be a traditional role in that sense. And the people who get into it do tend to be geeky guys who like to code, but it's open and every single person who's a clinician is a digital clinician. So that's the first bit. The second bit is a far more complicated question about women in these roles. And again, there are there's a lot of research around why women in uh, the National Health Service occupy some of the roles they do. And we, we have research in other areas about the glass ceilings that exist and how difficult it is in any space to get away from that ancient paradigm of, well, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to do a full day as a consultant perinatal psychiatrist or an obstetrician as a, a woman and then go home and do stuff for my kids and get the family going. I mean, if I came home and I saw my husband sitting with his feet up going, what's for dinner? I would say reservations as I pulled out my phone. So let's <laughs> order something because <laughs> I'm tired. I, don't, I can't cook. So I think there's some there's some real barriers that need breaking there. But I think the biggest one is culture. We need to find a way to encourage positive allyship in a way that isn't patronizing, but also in a way that helps people understand that having diversity 
yeah, it is hard, and it it does require a lot of thinking to be as inclusive as possible. But the one thing that I would say when asked this question is something a service user said to me that I find so beautiful. We were in a meeting, and we were trying to look at a way that we could improve um, clinicians learning about physical health. And one of the weird ideas I'd come up with was that we do some kind of role play and then we tape it and we create it as a, a little YouTube video. I mean, I, I was really, I was pulling at straws. And um, eventually we, I got to go to a really big meeting with service users. And I made this pitch for this idea that we discussed in lots of tiny little meetings. And a service user looked at me and said, well, if this is something you want service users to be involved in, why didn't you ask me from the very beginning? And it got me thinking, I mean, I had come up with these ideas without even just going to the men and women that I look after on the ward and saying, what would you guys do if you wanted your doctors to have a better understanding of physical health? If you don't think about these things, the person who's going to be using it right from the outset, then it just becomes tokenistic. So everything we do, everything we do to try and encourage women and women of color and men of color to come into these roles has to be from the very outset. It can't be something that you tack on. Just like digital can't be tacked on. It has to be at the core of what we do. But yeah, some of it just requires a little bit of being bolshy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we, we've talked about how, uh, you know, being the only person of colour in a meeting is a very frequent experience for us working in digital <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it's something I find very freeing, genuinely, because one of the, once you get that elephant out of the room, once you own it and once you raise it, people can see that it's okay for you to talk about it. I think one of the problems with race is that everyone, even people of color, struggle to talk about race because you don't want to talk about other races. You don't want to talk about other genders. You don't want to, you don't want to misgender someone. You don't want to other someone. And as people working in mental health, we are so acutely aware of how excluded and stigmatized our service users feel. And we don't want that for anybody. And I think the moment someone sees that you are comfortable with this, it lets them know that it's okay for them to to talk. At the same time, I would say it's not our job to train everyone up to be culturally and emotionally and, you know, whatever sensitive. This is I don't come to work every day to make everyone else aware. That's not why I'm there. I have I have my actual job to do. But at the same time, I, I want people to be comfortable discussing things like race and gender because it is an important part of the work we do. And if, if our clinicians, so if our CCIOs don't represent the service users we look after, then what kind of horrible service are we providing our service users? We need diversity. It makes, it brings fabulousness. I have another question I need to ask you. Do you think it's time to change the narrative when it comes to CCIOs and professions? Um, I, I've seen a lot of um, CCIO job descriptions, you know, that only asks for um, doctors or and, you know, we never see um, CCIOs who um, are willing to take on nurses or create opportunities for, for people from allied health professional background so is it is it time to change that for CCIOs to, to really start to change the narrative on and and broaden and, and broaden the, the you know the, the spectrum a little bit Ronke I think that is a really easy question to answer one of the reasons I like psychiatry so much is because we as mental health are the pioneers of multidisciplinary working so for me it doesn't really matter so I told you the C part is the clinician so it doesn't matter who that clinician is but to have that C clinician working in a single discipline is a nonsense. So what you need is whatever team you have in your service, that is the same representation you need at a strategic level. 
but every single person is a CIO in the a CCIO in their own right. They, they might not be the chief clinical information officer, but they're a clinical information officer. When it comes to the chief or the associate or whatever else, it doesn't matter who the chief is. As long as they have a vision and they're able to communicate that vision effectively from board to board, that's all that matters. They have to be a digital leader, an absolute powerhouse of positivity, because they're going to be carrying that strategically for your organization. But the people around them need to be of different disciplines. You can't just have a group of nurses, a group of doctors, a group of pharmacists. You have to have everyone. Whoever the chief is doesn't matter. Hopefully the chief will rotate I can't wait until we have rotating chief clinical information officers. I think that would be the best. But you need to have everyone. So an organization that just has one, or worse, where the medical director is also the CCIO, like it's possible to do those two jobs together. I don't think so. Those are sick organizations that I would not be working in. An organization that's healthy, that wants to grow, that wants to help its its entire service user base and carers is an organization that recognizes the value of digital, makes it part of your job description that we all do digital, will not allow even the chief executive to shrug their shoulders and go, oh, I don't do digital. So sometimes when I hear my board say things like, I'm not sure I'm very confident with digital, I tell them, actually, you are, because look at what you did here. Look at what you did. You don't have to be a coder. But the fact that you're able to recognize this or do why or whatever else means you get digital, and that's important. I've got my final question for you here, and it partly leads on from what you're saying. I was interested in your thoughts about what the CCIRO might look like in five years' time. Do you have ideas about how things might evolve going forward? Absolutely. So one of my biggest hopes is that we will start. Um, in fact, I made a pitch uh, to our local medical school about this. So I think it's already happening. So my vision is that we start teaching clinicians from when, preferably from school. But um, if we can't do that, from when they start. So when a nurse goes on to train as a nurse or a pharmacist goes to train to be a pharmacist, they must have modules that teach them about some of the amazing things Aisha and I got from the Digital Academy, which include preventative medicine. It is far better and cheaper to prevent illness than it is to treat it. You might have the coolest, whizziest machine in the world, but it would be so much better if the person didn't have the disease in the first place. So prevention is the first bet. And the next big bit is don't just replace paper, reimagine it. There are so many simple lessons, and Aisha and I could do a top 10 commandments of digital. She'd, I bet you are 10 with a line, and it would be about interoperability, the importance to share information with each other, putting information in the hands of service users. But if we can get these key concepts in when people are training to be clinicians, then in five years' time, there would be no discussion about who is a CCIO. Because the CCIO would be all of us and would be a big part of why our service is so groundbreaking. So we need big T transformation. And the only way we can do that is if we put this into people's training right from the get-go. So in five years' time, my hope is that we are doing this as a part of core curriculum for every clinician. And no one will ever ask what a CCIO is because they'll all say, I can't wait to be CCIO next next year because it's good. I have an amazing vision for the year. And then the following year, someone else is going to be CCIO. And this is what they're going to focus on that year. And the diversity that we bring and the transformation we bring for service users and carers is going to rock the NHS 
and make it even better than it already is. Toral, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. We've really enjoyed speaking to you today. If people do want to know more about working in Norwich or Norfolk or they want to see what you're up to, how could they get in contact with you? Well, even if you're not in the local area, I would encourage you to um, check us out on Twitter. So all of us are on Twitter. So I'm Torrell.Thomas at nsft.nhs.uk. But I'm also probably the only Torrell Thomas in the country, so I'm very easy to find. Come <laughs> find me. Come to Norfolk and Suffolk. Come be part of our amazing transformation. We're doing so many amazing things and we're looking for people to join us. So please, please do reach out. Aisha, I I don't know how you felt um, with that podcast, but I I found it extremely exhilarating. And um, it's it's an incredible insight by by Dr. Torrell Thomas. And um, I I, I don't know, I I have um, goose, you know, sort of bumps on my, you know, my skin. It's it's just pretty amazing to listen to him um, speak about digital health and and, um, there were just so many things, um, so many themes you know, that I, I'm, I'm still thinking, you know, where do I start? I need Absolutely. to go back and listen to this podcast <laughs> one more time. Definitely. I think it's one of those things that you can listen to this several times and you'll pick up something new every single time that you listen to it. I mean, just the amount of energy that Torrell has. I feel so motivated and energised now about the profession that we work in and the space that we work in. I think if I was to pick out something that really spoke to me, it's around the fact that this is a multidisciplinary profession. And although I guess traditionally a lot of doctors have been CCIOs, actually that's not the world that we work in. And we need to sort of expand the different professional groups, the other clinical groups that take up these CCIO roles. So I really hope that we can see more of that in the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, there were just, as I said, there were just so many things that I, I, I wanted to tease out. But I think some of the, you know, a particular specific area was around the board. And, and he mentioned how accessible um, their board was. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't just something that people, um, people don't really get to see them. They just hear about them. But he actually said that they, they're very accessible. I thought that was really good and, and something that I think a lot of organisations, other organisations can learn from. Well, also, I think, you know, he emphasised digital isn't um, a thin, it's it's a culture shift, isn't it? It's it's, yeah. it's transformative. It's, it's, and then it's digital, is, it's, it can be done by all of us. It's not down to a CCO or CCIO or CIO or CNIO. It is down down to all of us and it's it's about getting that mindset being innovative being creative um and and that's what I, that's what I got from it and I'm sure I'll, I'll I'll go back and listen to this over and over again and 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 come back with all sorts of things that he said it's it's been really really incredible to to listen to him today yeah fully agree Thank you for listening today we really hope you enjoyed the episode so please subscribe and share the episode with other people and if you want to know more about the shuri network or you want to feedback or even suggest topics for future episodes visit shurinetwork.com you can also follow us on twitter at network shuri where you can find out more about what we're doing see you, see next, you next time, time. <laughs>